Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Anyways, I think I need to start with the, with the joke this morning. A, a, pi a pirate joke, actually. A man decides to quit his job and run away to join a pirate crew. So after spending many hours on the, do the dock, he finally sees a man who has a peg leg, a hook hand, and an eye patch, and he figures this guy's obviously a pirate captain, so the man promptly joins that crew and sails away that day, and so later that night, he just can't help it. He goes up to the captain and says, I'm sorry, I just can't hold back anymore. How did you get that peg leg? The captain says, "R." This is my pirate voice, by the way. Arr! T'was me first day at sea as a young lad. A great big swell came from the sea and knocked me overboard. Before me crew could pull me out, a giant shark swam up and bit off me leg. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself at that stupid voice. The man goes, wow, that sounds terrible. What happened to your hand? The captain says, "Ah, t'was me second day at sea. Another great big swell came up from the sea and knocked me overboard. Before me crew could pull me up, a giant shark swam up and bit off me hand. The man tells the captain, man, it sounds like that shark really has it out for you. And he said, well, what happened to your eye? The captain says, "Ah, t'was me third day at sea. I was looking up at the sky when a bird came and pooped in me eye. The man says, and that's how you lost your eye? The captain responds, no, t'was me first day with me hook. Uh, you don't come for the joke, stay for the message. Last week we started a series called Jonah, Rebel with a Cause, and we're looking at the book of Jonah, and we're focusing on one chapter each week. We saw that Jonah was a prophet who was called by God, given a mission, given a purpose, given a cause, to go and deliver a message to the Ninevites, the, actually more specifically the Assyrians, in Nineveh, which was the capital of the Assyrian Empire at that time. Problem was, a few problems is that the Assyrians and the Jews hated each other. They were mortal enemies, and Jonah had no intention of doing that. God called him to go to Nineveh, which was a 550-mile trip to the east. In fact, go ahead and put the map up. 550 miles east, Jonah instead goes, goes to Joppa, which is a seaport, and decides, I'm going in the opposite direction to Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles west. He runs from God. The title of my message last week was, You Can Run, But You Can't Hide. <laughs> and so we learned about what happens when we don't do what God tells us to do, when we run from him. And we also talked about the miracles that happen when we actually do obey what God says. God sends a big storm on the sea as he's going to Tarshish. Eventually, Jonah talks the guys into throwing them overboard into the ocean, and the sea is calm, and this is where we're going to pick it up today in Jonah chapter 2. If you have your Bible, open with me to Jonah chapter 2. In fact, go ahead and stand to your feet as well as we read together this morning. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Let's pray first. Um, join me, actually. There's a couple of, of men that are in the hospital right now from our church. We need to pray for uh, Mike Lindsay, who just had a triple a bypass surgery. His wife Molly's in here somewhere. I just saw her a minute ago. And Bob White, who's 
been battling a lot of health issues and has pneumonia. In fact, I think they're both at St. Jude, by the way. Maybe they're in the same room together watching right now. I'm just kidding. Uh, but let's pray for them this morning. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. First of all, for Mike, Lord, touch him. Help him to fully and completely recover. Bring health into his body. Bring strength and energy. Lord, let his heart be strong, just as strong as it ever has been. We pray, Lord, for Bob White. Lord, bring health in Bob. Let that ammonia be cursed from his body. Let his lungs begin to function properly. Properly, We speak your healing power, your healing touch on Bob. And Lord, speak to us today. Our hearts are open. Our ears are open. God, let us hear your voice. Let your word take root in our hearts and be fruitful. We want to be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. We need to start in the last verse of chapter 1, Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. They'll put it up on the screen. Would you read that one verse with me out loud? Ready, go. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Just pause there for a moment and think about that. <laughs> a great fish, three days and three nights. And then I'll read chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. <laughs> As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. Let's read verse 9 out loud together. Ready, go. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Verse 10, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Before you're seated, look at the person next to you and say, I hope that never happens to you, but if it does, I'll probably laugh. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> 1975, a movie came out that has made the whole world think twice <laughs> before they just go and swim at the beach. Come on, who remembers the movie Jaws? Even as a kid growing up, I don't know if I watched the movie or parts of it. I don't know if my parents let me, but I was, that movie made me scared of sharks. And when I was a kid, I used to think that when I was swimming in a swimming pool, somehow a shark was going to come out of the drain in the deep end and eat me. So I always made sure that my brother or sister was around because I could swim faster than them. <laughs> I wanted them to be fish food, not me. Jonah says in verse 6 that God snatched him from the jaws of death. That's the title of my, of my message today, from the jaws of death. What to do when you feel hopeless. Thought about calling it what to do when you're in Hotel Shamu, but 
At some point while Jonah is inside the fish's belly, he prays and expresses how hopeless he feels. Some of us can relate to that today because we feel hopeless for different reasons and different areas of our life. Maybe, maybe you've been swallowed up by depression or, or fear or anxiety or worry or doubt or discouragement or, or failure or addiction or anger or the Dodgers getting knocked out of the playoffs. Oh, that was bad. Or USC losing that close one to Utah last night. And maybe like Jonah, you feel hopeless. In this passage, Jonah shares nine sources of hopelessness that probably you, you and I can relate to. So I want to focus on that, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about what do, you, what do you do if you feel hopeless. But nine sources of hopelessness, it's actually important to identify the root issue so you can clearly present it to the Lord and begin to deal with it. By the way, when it comes to our feelings... I've said it before and I'll say it again, but it is immature and unwise to live your life based on how you feel. It is wise and mature to live your life based on the truth of God's word. Here's the first source of hopelessness. Number one, I feel like I'm in over my head. I feel like I'm in over my head. Verse three, Jonah says, you threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. In other words, my situation exceeds my knowledge, my ability, my finances. I can't do this. I'm drowning. But the truth is Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. You put your name there, right there. O Tim, O Joe, O Gary. He and he who formed you, O Israel. O Pastor Junior, O Jerry Clyde. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Number two, I feel like I've hit rock bottom. Jonah says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. In other words, I was at the depths of the ocean. My life can't get any worse. I've lost everything. I'm in too deep. I have nothing else to live for. Maybe you felt like that before. But the truth is this, Psalm 40, verse 2. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. Number three, I feel like my life is out of control and I'm powerless to change it. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves, Jonah said. You ever been swimming in the ocean before and you get caught in a riptide or something and you're, you're trying to get out and, and maybe you pop up and just when you pop up, another wave comes crashing down on you and slams you or slams you into the beach and you get up again and it slams you again. You're just getting pummeled by the waves. Life feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? It's like just when you catch your breath, something else hits you and knocks you over. Fills out, you feel out of control. The truth is, men and women, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize Him, and He will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. Somebody say amen. 
You ought to say amen after all these verses. Number four, I feel totally overwhelmed. The water's closed over me, Jonah said. There's just too much, too much stress, too much pressure, too much debt, too much laundry. <laughs> if you have a young family, you know what that's like. But the truth is, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 11, in the message paraphrase. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Number five, I feel rejected and alone. Lord, you've driven me from your presence. Verse four, aloneness can cause hopelessness. But the truth is, Joshua 1, verses 5 and 6. I love the book of Joshua, especially the first chapter. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Think about that promise for a minute. Moses, one of the greatest men in all of Scripture, in all of history. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong. And of good courage. Number six, you might feel hopeless because I feel guilty and regretful. Jonah said in two, four, chapter 2, verse 4, Then I said, O oh Lord, you've rejected me and you've cast me away. How shall I ever again see your holy temple? In other words, I've made mistakes. I've messed up. I've ruined my life. I've disobeyed you, God. How could you ever love me? How could you ever forgive me? But the truth is Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Number seven, I feel crushing fear. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried. In other words, Jonah was scared to death. You would be too if you were sinking and drowning. The word worry, by the way, comes from an old English word, worgen, which means to choke or to strangle. That's what worry, that's what fear, that's what anxiety does. It chokes the hope out of you. But the truth is Isaiah 41, 13, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. And I love that. Number eight, I feel trapped. Jonah felt trapped. He said, I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock and shut forever. Maybe you feel trapped in a career. You feel trapped in a relationship. You feel trapped in a, in a sickness that you're battling. You feel tra trapped in an addiction that you're struggling with. Here's the truth, Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Celebrate recovery. He's Jesus the deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. That was written by David. David knew God. He knew where to turn when stuff got real bad. People are running around trying to kill him. His own king, his own king, his own father-in-law is trying to kill him. And he says, God is my stronghold. I trust in him. I don't fear what man can do to me. I fear no one but God. Number nine, I feel darkness all around me. If you're really hopeless, if you're really depressed, you're really discouraged. In fact, if some of you in here today, maybe watching online, you might even be suicidal. 
And, and, and darkness can become oppressive because it's, it's it's there's a spiritual dimension to that too. There's a spirit of, of fear, a spirit of death that's trying to choke life out of you. Jonah, verse 6 and 7, it says, I was in the jaws of death. I was in the pit, other translations say. My life was slipping away. You think there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Everything feels dark. There's nothing to look forward to. You don't even look, you know, look forward to waking up in the morning. There's no hope. <clears throat> but the truth is Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope. Who is he? He's the God of hope. Come on, that's our God. He's not a dead God. He's an alive God. Jesus is alive. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the God of salvation. He is the God of healing. He is the God of deliverance. He's the God of all power. He's the mighty creator. He is the God of hope. No matter what situation you're in, he is the God of hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In other words, you got to believe. You got to put your trust in him. You got to exercise some faith. Faith is a muscle and you got to exercise it. I can't do that for you. Joe can't do that for you. You got to do it yourself. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Come on, you need to start lifting a little bit. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for you today. That before you walk out here, before you stop listening to this message and start watching a football game, that, that hope may abound in your heart. Because the enemy's trying to choke hope out of some of us. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You might feel hopeless. You might feel hopeless like Jonah did. But the truth is there's always hope. There's always hope. Jonah expresses hopelessness, but he also showed us what to do when we feel hopeless. And I'm going to give you these truths right now. What do, what do I do when I feel hopeless? Number one, when I hit bottom, look up. <laughs> when I hit bottom, look up to God. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. Jonah had run from God. He had disobeyed God. He didn't want anything to do with God. But when he was in serious trouble, when he was about to die, he thought, I need to turn back to the one who can help me, the only one. Some of us do the same thing. We know God's there, but we run from him, we disobey him, we ignore him, we try to do it on our own. And then when all else fails, then we come back to God. Some of us don't change when we see the light. We have to change when we feel the heat. Wisdom is learning from other people's mistakes, not making them on your own. It's much easier and wiser to go to God first because his ways are always better. <laughs> Some of us still have to learn the hard way. Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, but seek first, not last, not second or 20th or 48th. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And he says that in the context of commanding us, by the way, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. If I'm taking care of the birds, they have enough food, I'll give you enough food. If I clothe the flowers in the field, I'll give you clothes as well. Don't worry. But seek first the kingdom. <laughs> Even if you've done messed up, A.A. Ron. <laughs> 
Even if you feel like it's too late, like there's no hope, if you've gone to God last instead of first, God still loves you. He still loves you. And listen, he's just waiting to help you, but you got to ask. Some of us, because of our own pride and stubbornness or whatever, our own rebellion, we're rebels with the cause. We don't have, God's waiting, but you got to ask. You got to look up. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. I love this verse. From where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Number two, cry out to God and pray honestly, specifically, and passionately. The entire chapter, if you didn't notice, it is a prayer that God, that, excuse me, that Jonah prays to God while he's drowning. Scholars think, you know, maybe he was in, anyways, he was inside the fish, he was losing his life. It's a prayer. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. Verse 7, my life was slipping away. I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you. Prayer ought to be our first option, not our last resort. It's like we try everything else on. I think I better pray. Should have done that first. (laughs) Prayer is a conversation and a dialogue with God. It's not a religious ritual. It ought not to be a religious obligation. It's like some of us, our prayer life is so shallow. You know, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, Talladega Nights. And it's like, if Jonah prayed inside a fish's stomach, you could pray inside your car on the way to work. You could pray inside your shower as you're getting ready. You could pray inside your school, no matter what they say. They can't stop you from praying. You could pray inside your workplace. God doesn't want us to pray religiously or vaguely or out of obligation. He wants us to pray honestly, specifically, and out of passion. And one of the keys to prayer, this will help some of us, maybe you don't know this, one of the keys to prayer, there's a whole lot of different ways to pray, but one of the keys is to pray the Word of God. Take the truth of God's Word and speak it back to God. Because he is faithful to his word. That's what Jonah did. In this short prayer, Jonah quotes eight times from the book of Psalms. Eight times in one prayer. He prayed the word of God. Here's a few ways to pray the word of God. First, pray the, com- the complaints or the laments to God. Crying out and complaining to God is called lamenting. You might think, I thought we weren't supposed to compl- complain to God. Well, you can. It's called a lament. Better to complain to God probably than complaining to anybody else because God can fix it or he'll tell you to knock it off, you know. But one third of the book of Psalms, 50 out of the 150 chapters, are laments. Most of the book of Job is laments. It's Job lamenting because he lost everything. There's a whole book about laments, it's called Lamentations, written by Jeremiah the prophet. Man, that guy had a hard life obeying God. But pray the complaints. Of God. Number two, pray the truth about God. By the way, real quick, lamenting, like, what is that? It's saying, it's being honest with God. God, this sucks. I hate this. I prayed a lot of those prayers in the last year and a half. You know, I'm, I'm angry. I almost said something else. I'm angry that my dad died. This sucks. I want my dad here. But God, you're still good and you're still faithful. And I still trust you. 
All the laments end with that, by the way. It's like, okay, now that I've got it off my chest, feel a little bit better, but I know that you're faithful. So you pray, number so you pray the truth about God. That's what Jonah said. God, you rescued me. You're merciful. Lord, you're good. Your mercy endures forever. Martin Luther said, pray and let God worry. <laughs> I love that. Pray and let God worry. Let him take care of it. And then also, number three, pray the promises of God. Lord, you promise. Your word says this. This is a promise in your word. I am standing on this promise. I am standing on your truth. Psalm 50, verse 15, Then call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you. Not I might. Not I'll think about it. God says, I will rescue you. I'll show up when nobody else shows up. I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. I want to show a testimony from one of the uh, great men in our church, Matt Walsh, that I think illustrates what we're talking about. So go ahead and check out the screen. Hi, I'm Matt Walsh. I've uh, been coming to the cause about four years now. My story, it was about depression. I began getting sober about three years ago. Uh, I was drinking alcohol, smoking pot, and meth. And as I began to get sober, I became very depressed. Early in, I relapsed because I was so depressed. I would get up in the morning, I could not get out of bed. I would just roll in bed back and forth, uh, literally moaning at times. I just felt very hopeless. I would stay there all day. And I just didn't know what to do about it. I didn't care. I had no want for anything other than just being alone. My family wasn't talking to me. It was something I would not experienced before. So a couple months into that depression, um, I was re recommended to go to a therapist here. He was very beneficial to me, a fellow Christian as well. I started meeting with him and he started using cognitive behavioral therapy to get me to change my mindset. Uh, we developed some coping statements to get rid of my stinking thinking, so to speak, so that I would start thinking more rationally. I had no idea how often I was awfulizing things. I had been coming to the church for about a year, and it was the first time that I knew the Holy Spirit. I was uh, reading my Bible daily, and that is the one thing that kept me going. I would get that Bible. Sometimes it felt like a thousand pounds to grab that Bible and start reading it. But once I did, God would just start speaking to me, giving me hope, giving me a, a direction to move in. There was a particular Bible passage that really impacted me, and it is Isaiah 41, 13. For I am the Lord your God, who takes you by the right hand and says, do not fear, I will help you. And I would meditate on it. I've repeated it thousands of times. And it was enough to get me moving a little bit, maybe get me out of bed, maybe make a phone call to somebody. Um, and most evenings I had something to do in fellowship or something here at the church. So I would come to church functions and it seemed totally fine. That's how depression is. Once, once you get out of that element, I'll seem normal to everybody else, but when I'm at home and I wake up in the morning, it's, it's a completely new process. Working on my stinking thinking, using coping statements, and primarily through the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting in God, I was able to change that mindset. So God has, has done a miracle in me in taking away any want for drugs or alcohol. I have zero want. And really done a miracle in my life by taking away the depression out of my life as well. I now function normally. I don't have the same anxieties and paranoia and, and phobias that I had before. 
and I have a great relationship with my children again, with my parents again, and just great fellowship here at the church. It's, there's just no place I'd rather be. I'm here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night often. And now I do it and wake up with joy in the morning, uh, a godly joy, you know, the joy that uh, Jesus Christ has brought into my life. And I'm very, very appreciative. Amen. If he can do it for Matt, he can do it for you. Number three, focus on the goodness of God to me. When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. The Greek word for that, it, by the way, is repent, metanoeo. Repentance isn't just feeling sorry for your sins, men and women. It is changing your thinking. It is turning your thoughts to the Lord. Because when we change our thinking, when we when we change what we're focusing on, then our lives begin to change as well. Instead of focusing on your hopelessness, change the channel and focus on the truth of God's goodness. Since my dad died February 20th, 2021, a year and a half ago, I have to fight almost daily, not, every, not, not as much anymore, but I have to still fight against feelings of hopelessness. And I can, either, I can either sit and wallow in that, I can, I can start to sink in that, I can get stuck in the pit, or I can change the channel and begin to focus on the goodness of God to me. Because he is good. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Great is his faithfulness. And he is good and he's not just good to Joe, he's good to me. I think he's better to me than he is to Joe, by the way, but God is good to me. Come on, somebody. Number four, reject false fixes and receive God's mercies. False fixes, fixes are false gods, idols, Jonah says in verse eight. An idol is anyone or anything in your life that you think about more than you think about God. That becomes more important to you than God is in your life. And you might think, I don't have any idols. You know, you got you to ask the Lord. Because the human heart is an idol factory. And it's easy for things to slip in and take first place in our life. Career, car, clothes, our home, hobbies, sports, fame, fortune, education, power, popularity, another person, pleasure, entertainment, sex, pumpkin spice because it's October, <laughs> marriage. Some of y'all think that if you just get married, it's going to be the pinnacle of your life. I have some news for you. No, it ain't. <laughs> Some of you want to say amen, but you're, you're afraid of getting murdered by your spouse. You know, keep your mouth shut, but you know it's true. Because nothing and nobody can save you. Nothing and nobody can give you joy and peace. Nothing and nobody can unconditionally love you like God can. So you can either run to a refuge or you can run to the refuge. Number five is this. Thank God in advance in faith. Jonah said, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. New King James says, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. Gratitude is thanking God for something after he's already done that. And we ought to be grateful. The Bible talks a lot about that. But faith is thanking God before he does something. And there's a difference. And Jonah thanked God while he was still inside the fish. God, I'm feeling depressed. I feel hopeless. But I thank you that you are going to deliver me. 
that you're going to break this off of me. You're going to give me joy. You promise that you will turn my mourning into dancing. You will turn my sorrow into joy. I'm praying that over my life right now because I don't want to be stuck in mourning my whole life. I want to, I want to move into a season of joy and rejoicing. Psalm 118, you are my God and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Number six, here's the last thing. If you're feeling hopeless, you got to do this. Commit to living for God, not for myself. Jonah says, I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Men and women, church, life is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. And if you make it all about yourself, you will probably end up hopeless and depressed and discouraged and miserable because you'll be living a selfish, empty, unfulfilling, and meaningless life. You are not put on this earth just to make money, retire, and then die. God has you on this planet for something far greater than that. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a mission. He has a calling. He has a cause for your life that is so much greater than you can imagine. And it's not just for yourself. It's to serve and help others. Jesus said in Mark 10, 45, he said, for even the son of man did not come to be served. If anybody came and ought to be served in worship and waited on hand and foot, it was Jesus. He flipped the script and did the opposite. He came to serve and to give. And your life will only have meaning when you serve and give and love other people. We're going to talk a lot about that next week. That's what God called Jonah to do. And Jonah finally said, all right, God, I'm going to commit to living for you. Jonah 2.10, last verse, the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out into the, onto the beach. The New King James says the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. By the way, if you look up the word in Hebrew, vomit, it means vomit <laughs> or spit. It means exactly what you think it is. By the way, here's another side note. Notice that God spoke to the fish once and the fish obeyed. God has to speak to us multiple times. The great fish, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll do that. From the fish's belly to the beach. From darkness to light, from bondage to freedom, from despair to hope, from the jaws of death to new life, from hopelessness to salvation. It doesn't matter what situation you're in right now. It doesn't matter how far you've run from God. It doesn't matter how rebellious you've been. It doesn't matter what anybody's done to you, men and women. And I know we've had some bad things done to us. It doesn't matter what mess you're in. There is always hope. There is always hope. His name is Jesus. Somebody say amen. Somebody close your eyes real quick. If you're here today, you're watching online, and you feel hopeless for whatever the reason is. You just feel hopeless, and, and, you, and you're going to make a commitment. Say, John, I'll, I'll do my best to do these things, but you need God to, to touch you today. I want to pray for you right now. Close your eyes. And just raise your hand real quick, wherever you are. If you're watching online, raise your hand. If you're feeling hopeless right now, I want to pray for you right now. Come on, be honest. We're in church. Be honest. Several hands going up. Several, several hands. You can put them down. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Feel hopeless. Lord, you know their situation. You know what pit they, they might find themselves in. Lord, I pray that you would touch them right now. Jesus, come. Come.
power of your presence right now. Come against depression. Bind thoughts of suicide. Bind the spirit of fear, darkness. Come against tormenting spirit in the middle of the night, bringing night terrors. God, I pray and I declare that my friends are going to sleep in peace at night. Lord, I speak Romans 15, 13. You are the God of hope. So Lord, be faithful to your promise right now. Touch our hearts. May the God of hope fill my friends with joy and peace through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that their hearts would abound, abound in hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.